It's happy hour again from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. We're at Casa Borrega on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. Casa Borrega is a bar, a restaurant, and a live music venue. And happy hour is part of the family of shows of the podcast network on itsneworleans.com. In the next 60 minutes, you're going to meet, oh my God, now I've fucked up already. One, two, three, four, five. Five of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans, and you'll get to hear some live music as well, courtesy of our guests here. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music, but you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of Happy Hour together. Hello, everybody. Hey. 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 So my guests sitting around the table are, in this order, Troy Gilbert. Hello, Troy. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, Just fine. You look fabulous. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Troy is a journalist and author and sailor who has been able to combine his talents sailing the Gulf Coast and Caribbean, or is it Caribbean? Uh, I say Caribbean. You say Caribbean? Okay, I'm going to say Caribbean. Caribbean and writing about it in sailing magazines from Sailing World to Yachting World and many more. Troy is also the publisher of the website and blog GolfLatitudes.com where you can find tales with intriguing headlines like Kidnapped in Cuba and Drug Runners. Dude, this sounds like it's going to be an interesting show already. Troy's current project is a PBS documentary and companion book chronicling 500 years of Gulf, Gulf Coast history under sail. That's right. Who was here 500 years ago? Chris well, the first Trump? explorers were here 500 years ago. Who they were? were uh, all Bienville, Iberville, oh, all the right. Spanish. That was 500 years. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, I didn't realize that. In a whole other capacity, Troy Gilbert is also the author of books about food, namely Dinner with Tennessee Williams. Well, you're a lot older than you look. 44. Hmm. How old was Tennessee Williams when you had dinner with him? I actually didn't have dinner with him. Oh, so that's, uh, it's not truth in advertising, the title of the book then. Uh, no, it's imaginative. One of the individuals that I did actually put the book together with uh, actually did have dinner with Tennessee Williams. Okay. What so was he like as a dinner guest? I, would, I mean... Well, he must be pretty interesting, that, I would think. Not that dissimilar from this, enjoying his cocktails. He liked a cocktail. So do we, yeah. I will find out what we're drinking in a minute. You also wrote the Café Degas cookbook and New Orleans Kitchens, apparently. Troy's new food book, Eating Ignatius, will be released in 2014. Uh, we hope, yes. Eating Ignatius. That's from the Confederacy of Dunces. Exactly. It's uh, kind of what we did at dinner with Tennessee Williams. We're taking all the food references from uh, Confederacy of Dunces and putting a re- uh, reimagining them. I'm doing that with uh, Chef Greg Piccolo and a bunch of independent writers. The only food I remember from um, Confederacy of Dunces was Lucky Dogs. It's actually pretty remarkable. There is, if you reread it again, specifically looking for food references, because it's about New Orleans, it's filled with them. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Eating Ignatius, it's coming up in 2014. Well, some people are listening to this in 2014 for sure. So well, there you go. They can already go Hello, buy it. Hello, 2014. Yeah. So there's no reason they couldn't go buy it already, right? Right. Hey, Rebecca Conwell is here as well. Hello, Rebecca. Hi. Hi. Rebecca is the founder of 2210, a consulting business that specializes in the planning and execution of projects that involve the government. Wow. Scary, huh? Yeah, that yeah. Is, that's frightening me already. Previously, Rebecca was executive director of state and local government affairs at Tulane University for 14 years and is the current project manager for the Tulane Water Prize. That's interesting because both you guys are in the sort of your sailing and you're involved water. In, in water. Rebecca, the, water. The, uh, the Tulane Water Prize is a grand challenge focused on water hypoxia. Okay, anyone here put up their hand if they know what hypoxia is? Yes, Troy knows what it is. It's a lack of oxygen. Uh, in the sorry. Water <laughs> <laughs> it's what? A lack of oxygen. Yeah, it's a dead zone. Exactly. It's a, that's what water hypoxia is? The dead zone. And that's mm-hmm. your specialty is water it's hypoxia? It's specialty. Projects are my specialty. I just yeah. surround myself with very smart people. So, so you're working on a project about water hypoxia, which is bringing water back to life. 
Yeah. I assume that's it's what the project is. It's not to just celebrate hypoxia, is it? No, it's a plan to figure out how to get oxygen back in the water exactly. In the water in the Gulf of Mexico. And, and the well, di- what it's all the over the world too, but in particular we're interested in the Gulf of Mexico. It's okay. Cost from nutrients. Well, this is going to be interesting already. I see there's a bit of a connection between you two. Rebecca is also a mentor for socially conscious startup entrepreneurs at the Business Incubator Propeller and is on the advisory board of Son of a Saint Foundation, which is a mentoring program for boys whose fathers have been incarcerated or killed. However, all these achievements pale in comparison to the contents of a document Rebecca authored titled 25 Random Things about herself, which I have right in front of me, which is this is one of the most awesome ideas I've ever seen that someone wrote down 25 random things about themselves. Number one, listen to this, you guys. I was a passenger on one of the first planes hijacked Cuba. How about that? I'm actually intrigued with that. Yeah, Yeah, that's going to be a good start. And what about this one? Number 24, Terp, this one's for you. Hung out with LL Cool J in the ladies' restroom at a Super Bowl party in New Orleans. I like LL Cool J. I used to use his music as a guide. To... Deeper meditation? Oh, sex. Yes. Oh, really? That's the voice of Chris True, by the way, who's the co-founder of the New Movement Theatre, a comedy improv theatre and school in New Orleans and Austin, Texas. Chris is also the creator and orchestrator of the Nationwide Air Sex Championship, a solo sport in which athletes compete in comedy clubs and bars across America to be the greatest simulator of sex on one magical night at the World Championships here in New Orleans. December 7th. Coming up. The fifth annual championship is December 7th, yeah. 2013. That's right. That's, that's the year we're currently in, Grant Morris. Well, unless you're listening to this at some other point in time, of course, which we've found. Can I just say the obvious right now? Go ahead. I, am I the Alec Baldwin of this podcast yet? Yes. I don't even know what that would mean, but what does that mean? Isn't that... Isn't he, who's the guy who was on Saturday Night Live for like uh, 17 times? Is it Alec Baldwin? Yeah. You've like got the nicest glasses of anyone here. I'll say they're that. brand new. Uh, they're, they're brand new. Also, I, I, I'd, I'd like to simultaneously plug and apologize right now. Which this one is, first? Oh, it's a simultaneous, I guess. That's right. Yeah. So it's Hell Yes Fest. <clears throat> it's Hell Yes Fest week right now, which yeah. is our big giant comedy festival. And, uh, and so I'm on my phone uh, tweeting and just making sure things are happening for the festival. Because right. we're leaving this and going right to the festival to okay. do shows and all that. So I didn't want anyone, uh, the, my new friends here on the happy hour to think I was being a rude, a rude dude just now. I was just being, that's I was a being simultaneous a busy plug dude. and apology. I didn't think you'd be able to pull that off, but you really did it. Thank you. It was a selfie too. Didn't I see a selfie? You were doing selfie. What's that mean? <laughs> Come on. I'm just kidding. I know what it is. <laughs> so that's, um, what was I going to say, Chris? Can you remember? I had something to hold something about Hell Yes Fest. Vanessa Gonzalez is here from Austin, Texas. She's here for Hell Yes Fest. For the Hell Yes Fest. Here for Hell Yes Fest. Well, welcome to New Orleans. What are you doing for Hell Yes Fest? Um, I actually have a show tonight, um, a sketch show with the the New Orleans-based group Stupid Time Machine. Right. Um, I I managed to be in that group from Austin. I never know if they're telling the truth because these are improv actors. You can never tell if they're just making it up or... Yeah. But that is true. You really are here from Austin, Texas. Yes, I'm here. I'm not making it up. I can see that you're really here. <laughs> okay. Hey, so well, let's talk about Hell Yes Fest in a minute because there's a lot to talk about about Hell Yes okay. Fest. It's the third annual New Orleans Comedy Festival brought yeah. to you by the New Movement Theater, Chris True, Vanessa Gonzalez, Tammy Nelson, and a whole lot of other people as well. That's right. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And our special musical guest this week. I still haven't finished the introduction of this fucking show. The Hokum High Roll was here. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. That voice is Joseph Faison. Yes. Is that French? Uh, yeah. What does it mean in French, Faison? Uh, they do. Some kind of... They do. I, I believe so. Okay. Conjugation of faith. 
but without oh, to, to an do. S in the end, I don't know. My family's been here for 400 years. So. 400? Really? Did they yeah. sail here? Uh, no, I think did. they flew. <laughs> On water? Well, so they must what? be part of the book. <laughs> they must be part of the book and documentary, which goes back 500 years of sailing. Yeah, I, perhaps. Where'd they land up? In North Carolina, so they weren't in the Gulf at all. So how did you get to be a street musician if you've been here all this time? Um, well, it's a pretty long story. I, uh, okay. I was working at a bar in Nashville, and um, I had some friends that were like, we're going to go on tour. And I'm like, that sounds fun. And they're like, do you want to come? I'm like, great. And um, I didn't play. I played guitar, and it was too quiet. And the job that I had, uh, somebody had left a banjo there, so I just stole it and went with them on so the road. You stole the banjo? Well, it's been sitting there for about a year. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so, really sitting there. It's yeah. just appropriating yeah. it. It was yeah. junk at that I liberated point. it. Right. Yes. liberated <laughs> it. And could you play it immediately? No, not at all. So I was terrible, and uh, the band was awful, and we were just playing on the street, and it was great. It was fun. Which street was this in Nashville? This was, we went to Chicago, Savannah, New York, um, Asheville, just like, I think that was about it. You were months. a really hopeless band who couldn't play, and you just went on tour. Yeah. Did it work out? Did you make no, any money? How did no, you? No, no, it was terrible. But it, it was also really fun, and I just never went back home after that. And then. But uh, this is home, though. New Orleans. Now, is home. now is home. Yeah. Where were you? You were from here originally for four hundred no, years. No. Uh, so where I've did you? have been living in Nashville for four hundred years, but. Okay. So where did your parents come to four hundred? I mean, not your parents. Your family came to four hundred years ago. North Carolina. Oh, uh, North Carolina. Faison, North Carolina. To a place called Faison. Yeah. What are the chances of that, that your name is facing and they came? Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? So anyway, you guys are on an album called The Best of Street. Yeah. Which is, you're the first band on this recording, which is an, an album working, which is, contains 10 local street musicians. Yeah. And, and, and you guys are number one. We, How'd yeah. you get to be number one? Um, uh, we got back to them first, I believe. Oh, so you were invited to be on this record, and it's called Best of Street because yeah. you're street musicians. Yeah, we primarily play on the street. We also tour and play in venues and stuff, but our main thing is the street. And you're a string band. Yes. There's a lot of string bands playing in the French Court. Have you guys noticed that? I have. Can I say something real quick? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Now, something amazing just happened. What was it? So, so these Best of Street people, uh, they contacted us just a few days ago, and, and they asked, hey, is it too late to help? Uh, help sponsor Hell Yes Fest, and the answer was no. Uh, let's do this, and and so I've dived in completely to like what Best of Street is, and I've been talking about it a lot on Twitter and at the shows the past couple of days. Okay, and so I'm sitting here on my phone talking to uh, talking to the people who who some, some people it's unclear who exactly is in charge of this stuff, and I'm like making sure that all this stuff is straight because it's kind of like a last minute sponsor job. And so I'm sitting here, and this nice lady back here is waving her hands wildly, saying something like, "I know you for this reason" or something, and I don't know what she's saying, but we're trying to communicate. And then and then she's kind of like, "You're about to figure it out." And then you said the words "best of street," and then I popped, and I realized that. So you're texting this person over here, Kim well, Kim <laughs> Hodeman from Best of Street. So that's just okay, a really that's, amazing thing that just happened. That is crazy. Because I think that project is so cool. And you're, you're a big part of that project. Uh, our band is a big part of it, yes. I think that is amazing. Well, Do tell, you know all about I, this? I don't even know anything about it except Let's the scribble. Well, Chris, tell me all about it. What is it? Well, I don't know if I'm the most qualified to talk about it, but I can be. I but I'm a very are. qualified supporter. <laughs> and and I'm very excited about it. I think it's super cool. What is it? Well, it's an album coming out. Well, there's a Kickstarter. 
There's a Kickstarter that's that's running right now. There's what? How many? It's like two weeks left. I don't want to screw this up. I think there's like two weeks or something left in this Kickstarter, and and it's a and it's an album of all these street musicians, and and it's and I just think that it, the whole project seems really really cool. I just totally hijacked what you were talking about. Not completely, because I'm talking about the same thing, but yeah. what just happened? Now, is it street musicians just from New Orleans? Or this from is Troy Gilbert. Street Sailor. musicians that play in New Orleans, that live here. Who play in New Orleans, not yeah. that. Who? 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 Correct? I don't know. Whom? 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 I don't <laughs> know. That can't be right. That. No, that yes. Well, the street bands that play in New Orleans, but street musicians are street musicians people, so they're who? Whom are who? that play? Whom are that play in, in New, Orleans. New Orleans? So, what other ones are there? I don't know. Uh, yes, ma'am is one of them. I know that. There's some friends of ours. Uh, well, this is a whole new thing that started in New Orleans. There used to be just brass bands here up until mm-hmm. about two years ago, and now there's string bands all over the whole French Quarter. Where, where, where's it, how did you get here? You just all wandered here together, or did you come individually? No, it, well, it's, it's, uh, it was kind of an organic thing, but a lot of us all knew each other from just traveling just around and playing all over the country. Um, you did so. Th- so everyone just drifted here individually. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So I mean, you've met each other on the street here. in other places. Yeah, some of us here met here, but it was all people that just this loose giant network of street musicians all over the country that all kind of started coming here about five or six years. Why ago. Why did it's like you an underground come railroad? Form. Basically. Yeah. Why did they all come here? Um, because you can drink on the street. Cops don't hassle you. Rent is almost nothing. And, and also, I think, as, as a fan of this, I think that you come here probably because there's a lot of people who take street music seriously here. Or, or yeah. Like, like yeah. I, think, I think some of the best shows I've seen have been on my way to the new movement. I walk from Garden District to the mm-hmm. Marigny, and I always, I always take the long route going through the quarter. Uh, and I, I always leave like an extra 45 minutes and I can carry a, carry a pocket you, full of one. So that you I can leave extra 45 minutes to walk like 10. Well, it's like an hour away, and I'll leave like two hours ahead of time. But knowing that there are bands that set up in the quarter that are playing music, because that's, right. that's some of the best music in the city. It used to be okay. The bands on the street <laughs> in the French Quarter were okay. Now there's a couple of bands, and you guys are one of them, who are absolutely really great. I'm a huge the, fan. Thank you. Yeah. It's, this it's, is there's, great. A, there's other guys that we had on here, too, called... Somebody in his pig pen, Todd, someone. Oh, Todd Day Waits. Todd yeah. Day Waits, yeah, pig pen. That's another yeah. great band. Yeah, yeah. And you guys great. are really great as well. But you're, not, you're off the street now, right? You're not just playing on the street. Um, we're not only playing on the street, but we kind of prefer the street. The street pays well, and it's yeah. more fun. You get paid better <laughs> to play on the street than you get paid in clubs in New Orleans. Well, no, but we're not, we don't really fit the mold of the working bands here so much. So we do a little bit. We'd like to do it more, but we really prefer the street. For lots of different reasons. How did you get to be good? Um, we just started good. I thought you said you started, <laughs> started shitty. Yeah. I thought started you, started s- yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> no, we we uh, it it's uh, just from playing a lot. This is our job, you know. So you went from being a shitty banjo player to being a good banjo player just by playing. Yeah, oh, well. it took believing. me seven years of playing every day. What? Chris? By believing. Believing. Yes. You think that can do it, Chris? Perception is reality. Is that right? When you wrote a book about improv, right? Improv wins. I did. And is one of the secrets of being a good actor just believing that you're good? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if I believe that I can do any, anything, can I do it? I'm an astronaut. I know that already, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Thank you. Where did you, um, where did you go to astronaut school? In Houston or? Uh, my father started, started the one in Houston. My mother started the one in Russia. Right. Your mother, oh, well, I know your mother's Russian. That, so she was a cosmonaut. 
Yes, Et. from Mexico. Cosmonaut Et. From Mexico? Yes. Oh, really? From southern Mexico, right? Russia. Oh, southern Russia, <laughs> right. Hey, listen, let's have a listen to some music from the Hokum High Rolls. What I you love you, Grant Morris. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are you guys going to play? Uh, we are going to play a song called Ragged But Right that's on the uh, Best of Street compilation that should be coming out soon. Any minute. Any minute now. Okay. And you can go and get it on Kickstarter right now. I know that. Well, you can't get it right now, but you can support it and then get it later. Okay, so we right? go to Kickstarter. This is so fun. Okay. Hi, Vanessa. It's cool. Hi. Vanessa, how are you liking New Orleans? Is this, this is your first great. trip here? Is this I'm the first time you've been in New Orleans? No, I've been many times. Well, it doesn't get any better than this. No, this is great. I'm Other than it, well, because you got free drinks free and now free music. I'm on a podcast. Come on. Great. Yeah, the, been, the common consensus is his banjo is the loudest. It's the loudest banjo in the entire world. Okay. And, okay, so you guys are ready. Let's do it.
the streets of the French Quarter in New Orleans. And what's the song called? Ragged But Right. Did you write it, or is it an old standard of some sort? No, it's, a, it's, an, it's an old standard that we rearranged. This is Jason Lawrence you listen to. He's the singer. And you, you rearranged it on the street, or do you actually have rehearsals, or what happens? Uh, we kind of uh, arrange it on the street. You just work it out as you go? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a nose ring. That's right. And Chris <laughs> True has a nose ring. I am an Indian princess. Did you guys know each other before this? No. Hi, I'm Chris. I, I may have given you money in the past for something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Jason, what made you get a nose ring? Uh, well, it's, it's a relic from my punk rock days, I guess. You were in a punk rock band? What was that called? Uh, I wasn't in one. I was just a punk rocker. Okay. What yeah. is that? What is a punk rocker who's not in a punk rock band? Just a, like a rebel? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, Chris, what made you get one? I am an Indian princess. That's what, as well as an astronaut. <laughs> That's right. What came first? Astronaut, I suppose, because it's A, right? If you just listen to podcasts, could you be a podcaster? If that you would just be listen to podcasts. That would be unfair. No, you'd be a podcastee if you just listened to them. If you just made them, you'd be a podcaster. I Her. sure could go for a Pepsi right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, what made you get the nose ring, really? Well, both of you, really. I mean, I, you weren't in the punk rock movement, Chris. I like it. I, I like, like it, too, but I, I just wondered what position. Well, I, I, think, I think that septum piercings are an, uh, are an, under, an underutilized uh, piece of jewelry. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't... It looks good on you. I don't I know think what... It's, I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I do, like too. It. Chris, you're doing nothing to actually make me get a nose ring right yeah. now. You're not <laughs> you're selling, not selling it. it at all. <laughs> well, have, well, great. It looks. One. You have one too. The more the merrier. Vanessa's got one. You've got one on the side of your nose, which is not the septum. No. Or the less the merrier. Right, right. So how do they do it? With a needle. The needle, and then you start crying uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do they like deaden it first? I don't know, Grant. You don't know? No, I was. We- I was on so much cocaine at the yeah, time. Yeah, right. I thought so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm what just about, kidding. What about you, Jason? Were you high as hell when you did it? <laughs> uh, no, I was drunk. Yeah. Are you drunk now, though? I'm working on it. Okay, all right. What would, you, what would you pierce next if you got d- drunk enough? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Nothing else? No pierce the sailor's probably eyebrow. Probably else. Yeah. Nose is enough. Okay, let's talk about kidnapping. Let's get off the nose ring thing. Is it okay if you guys... Yeah, I just want to be clear that I did not do cocaine, and I'd never have. Really? You've never done it? Grant, let's get... Let's talk about kidnapping. Okay. Okay. Have you ever done cocaine, Rebecca? I haven't. Never? No. Troy? I have, yes. Okay, thank goodness. You guys in the band have done a lot of it, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. None. No. <laughs> Vanessa? No, no cocaine. Well, that's interesting. I guess it's oh not sort of a cocaine. I, well, I was just trying to sell have some. You? Have yeah, you? Yeah, I thought I would sell you some, but if you don't want to do it, then no. don't worry about it. Okay. Hey, listen, um, kidnapping, because I got two things about kidnapping. One is, Troy, it says here that you wrote a blog about being kidnapped in Cuba. Were you kidnapped in Cuba? No, 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 no. This is a story I'm researching about a group of guys that were sailing down to a race in Jamaica and on their way back. Um, they were actually pulled over by the Cuban Coast Guard, and uh, they had a woman who was traveling traveling with them out of St. Petersburg, and she was of uh, dubious uh, what's the word I'm repute. Repute. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, anyway, they got uh, effectively kidnapped by the Cuban Coast Guard on the uh, eastern shore of Cuba, and were held in a in a very small town's prison for about ten days. They were 
given hundreds and hundreds of different sorts of shots and things like that. So it's, but shots, it's like tequila oh. shots. No, 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 no. These were actually, you know, like uh, you are here in Cuba illegally. Basically, you need all your immunizations, and it was just a fiasco. Is it interesting? You're not making it sound all that interesting. Well, I mean, these guys get the kidnapped. story's not ready to be released. Oh, okay. But I mean, guys it's get kidnapped and they get dragged off to a small prison in Cuba and given injections. Uh, that's yeah, the worst that's that happened to them. They got a few like diphtheria shot and the story, cholera shot. The story when it's actually published will be a be lot better than a that. Lot, a, a lot more interesting. Okay, that's all right. scary. I'm I'm afraid of being kidnapped. Oh, you you have a phobia about it, Vanessa? Yeah, but I feel like I have a plan if it ever happens. Okay, I would just act real crazy, and, <laughs> and like want to get rid of you. Yeah, like I would just be the most inconvenient um, kidnappy. Is it kidnapping? I, th- I think so. I think yeah. that's can I we go? Can we? Can we practice real quick? Yeah. I got you. You're mine. I'm a monster. No, no, you're not a monster. I'm you're a monster. I'm tying you up right now. Oh, let me tell you stories about my grandchildren. Oh, I can't take this anymore. You're released. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Well, that's it. See, that's yeah, that's a good like plan. That. Who do you think might kidnap you in your phobic dreams? No, see, then that also hurts my feelings because I don't think that I would want. You like, think no one really wants you? No, you're not. You're not nice enough to be kidnapped or horrible yeah. enough or whatever. And there's what also a the rescue thing. thing. Rescuing could be fun. Or yeah, being rescued by a hot guy. Yes. Well, that's good. That's where Chris comes in as well. Ah. I'm an Indian princess. <laughs> so Rebecca was actually hijacked and taken to Cuba. No, I didn't make it. Where'd you get to? Well, I think it originated in Phoenix, and we landed ultimately in Houston, and they shot the tires out of the of the airplane. And Wait, what? And kept the plane surrounded by guns. Is this a dream that you had? No, this yeah. is number one in the 25 random things. I, Were you paying attention? Was, to it, it, was, was it Cuba? Was it Cubans no, the, that actually did it, or it was just... I think, well, so if I had known, I would have been prepared. I would have found the article. We've lost the article. But apparently it was in 62... It was the very first. So you were it just was a, a very, kid. I was two years old. I was in a diaper still, apparently, and my so was my brother. And uh, it was the very first plane to be hijacked. So it was officially hijacked with the and the plans were to go to Cuba. Well, for those of us and listening, those of us listening who don't know what that means and don't keep up with the, the news from the 1960s, what actually was the plan? Why? Who was hijacking planes to Cuba and why? Wasn't this during the the Bay of Pigs and the whole? It was that. Well, that was 62 would have been yes. before the Bay of Pigs, but. Um, there, the were, there were a lot of hijacked jets coming, especially out of Miami. That's why I was confused when you said mm-hmm. Phoenix. But uh, there were a lot of hijackings going on, and whether it was where there was actually well, this Cubans is number one. So this was the number was one. This is the guy. This is the first guy who had the idea to everyone, hijack. Everyone said, oh, "This is a great idea. We're going to make it work." But it could so have it could have been just it could have been American <laughs> communists. I mean, you know, that, that was exactly. the big thing in the '60s and the '70s was hijacking jets. I mean, that's how you made. What was the principle? What was the plan? You hijacked a jet to do what? To get a ransom or? To get the plane to Cuba? Pretty much, you were just making a political statement mm-hmm. and getting the plane to Cuba, where you would be granted asylum. Wow. Okay. Mm. And you were number one. You were the first. And what did what happened to your parents? Did they freak out? So I was with my mom. Yes. Well, she was pretty annoyed as the article <laughs> went. As I read the article, and she was pretty ticked off. And so, because we were children, we made good hostages. So they took us to the cockpit um, with the gun and held us there. Oh and, um, man. Waiting to see how it was all going to play out. So you were held as a two-year-old kid. I know. I wish I could. That's what I, I wish I could remember. Can't remember anything it. about Damn. it. Damn. No, no. <laughs> I wow. know. And um, how many kids? How many kids were there? Was there you were just 
just me and my brother. You and your brother. How old was he at the time? He was um, 11 months. He was even younger, obviously. Right. Oh, okay, so well, no one remembers anything. No, what was well, the airline and, back then? And so it was, God. It see, wasn't JetBlue. If I was, was prepared, Pan Am? Was I Pan wasn't Am? prepared to, to answer that question. I didn't know he was going to talk Did about it. Did you act like a monster? I pro- <laughs> You know, I was an angel, I'm sure. We had soggy diapers, as I was told, that, and it yeah. was getting very annoyed. Everybody was getting annoyed. Do they but have the air conditioning on while they're... Uh, yeah, can you... That no. must be pretty bad. What, what month was it? So it was January, February, as I remember. It was cold as well. The article, yeah. And there was an FBI agent on the plane that just happened to be traveling. So when they started releasing the hostages, the FBI agent stayed on the plane and uh, single-handedly overtook the hostages after a big standoff. How many kidnappers were there? Do you Is this a dream? A it was a man and his son. So it was a, yeah, there was two. A man and his son. Mm-hmm. Is it like a family hijacking? Yes. That's a nice thing to do for a like, family day out. Do it yeah. together. That's yeah, badass. <laughs> what so a great cool. day out. It, yeah. And what happened after that? Then the guy got arrested. I assume went to jail. Do we? Did you look? Have you ever looked this up and I see who it was? Who was it? A long time ago, I, I had a great time going through microfilm. I don't know how you get to microfilm any longer, but back then I it was available so. in the library. Well, what did you find out about the guy who kidnapped you? Um, well, hijacked you, I should say. So who is the Sirhan Sirhan guy? Troy, you got five seconds. There was a connection. Okay, there was Sirhan a connection. Sirhan is the guy who shot one of the Ken Robert F. Kennedy, right? So they tried to five make points. So they tried to make a connection to him later on, but well, but you know, it could have been it could have been the PLO. There were a lot mm-hmm. of you know they would have used Cuba as a because it was close. So if you were hijacking a jet in America, you back then you couldn't exactly fly to you know to Lebanon to Beirut or well, Beirut right. was fine, but you couldn't exactly fly great distances so where they would hijack these jets they would take them to cuba because it was so close i mean cuba's basically like flying to houston from new orleans well yeah the plan was to fuel up in houston and but they didn't even get there so this was a failure it was failed yes so it was a failed hijacking i wonder what gave the next person the idea they could succeed what did the next person do i wonder that worked where this one failed they didn't land in between. <laughs> that was the problem was landing in Phoenix. Damn. You didn't get on a plane that needed to be refueled. I hate it when that happens. They shoot out the tires. So we've got 24 more things that Rebecca wrote down about herself. Oh, no. We, we don't have time. Well, we could, we could. I thought what we could do is like randomly pick out one or two. Chris, you want to pick a number? Seven. Number seven. Okay. Wow. Do you want to in re- honor of how old I was when I first was when, when, I first, when I first soiled my, my diapers. Were you still wearing diapers at seven? Yes, sir. I'll read it. You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Number seven. Is that what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked the f- damn biggest one there is. <laughs> My first job was working for a chef in the snack bar at the Pinewood Country Club. He taught me the importance of using finesse when you place the shrimp on the plate for the shrimp cocktail. I also learned two other very important skills at the club working under stress and the art of lobbying. For example, it makes no difference how much they yell at you. There are just so many club sandwiches you can make during the Pinewood Country Club annual golf tournament. And if you want the job of driving the Mercy Wagon, that's the golf cart that carries the booze, you better make sure that the right people get those club sandwiches. Let's talk about the Mercy Wagon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that led to government affairs later on, how to lobby, you know. I think that's true. What is the set. Mercy Wagon? I like that question. Oh, it's, a great, it's the golf cart full of booze, and you drive it around the golf tournament. Are there only one of them or multiple of them? There were, they, they had two for each 
nine holes. So you had one on the front nine and one on the back nine. How old are you at this point after you've been Too young kidding? to drive it, but we didn't talk about that. Yes, I got Too young to drive, to drive but you were making club sandwiches at the... Where is this? No, she it's was in Texas. She was mixing drinks also. I wasn't... No. Right. She's <laughs> winking right now. Pinewood. The Pinewood Country Club. Yeah, it's in, in Texas. What, what part of Texas? East Texas and Beaumont. Outside of Beaumont. You come from Beaumont, Texas? I do. Wow. They got yeah. a bomb-ass bakery in Beaumont. Chris really? goes through Beaumont twice a week, probably. Rouse, Rouse Bakery. They got that weird billboard with that little kid with cinnamon Rayos? buns for a butthole. Rayos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rayos, yeah. Is uh, it Rayos? I thought it was Rouse. Man, that, yeah. that's, that's not important at all. <laughs> <laughs> he's got two cinnamon buns or his buttocks ought to be. Is that what you're Yeah. Saying? Vanessa, Vanessa knows that she drives between Austin and New Orleans it, all yeah. the time. And this t- it's a kid with two cinnamon buns for buttocks. Yeah, and it's like, come here and eat our baked goods. Look at this kid with cinnamon buns for butt. It's kind of offensive. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who's it offensive to? Cinnamon? Yeah, cinnamon buns. You guys know that cinnamon's an aphrodisiac? It's true. How much do you have to take? I, I just know that I've read articles lately that cinnamon's supposed to get dudes all riled up. Not when they're on the butt of a little kid. That's why it's weird. <laughs> oh, no. That's what I was getting at. That's why it's weird. We don't have to keep talking about it, but that's just a fact. Do you, do you stop at this bakery and buy yes. cinnamon? Have you had the cinnamon buns? No. I've had, I get the blueberry cream cheese muffin. That sounds good. Vanessa, what do you get? Oh, I haven't stopped there. What? Yeah, well, I assume that all of their pastries are on the bottoms of little children. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even want to try it. That put you off, the billboard. Yeah. I'm like, nah, but It's been there that. for years, apparently, Rebecca. <laughs> you were, was there when you grew up. 70-something years it's been there. Right. Did you go there as a kid? Yes. Did they have the cinnamon bun buttock child up there? You know, I just didn't see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> they did, though. That's their I'll, I'll, I'll see it totally differently next time. That's yeah. been their logo or their, their so, yes. thing for years, though. Little child with cinnamon buns for buttocks. That's an interesting idea. It's not working with it on everybody, mm. apparently. Though, but it has kept them going for 60-odd years. Tradition. Huh? So what was going on in Beaumont? Beaumont always seems to me, do you think the same thing, Chris? Look, it seems like a lot of poor people must live there, but there was a country club oh with no, a... no, no. It's got wealthy people. Yeah, it's oil or something. This lot of oil money, Spindletop, the first oil well, the big gusher. There's probably really? some people who are like big Houston money who are like, I'm going to make Beaumont be cool, and then they go to Beaumont. I think people would argue that some of the money started in Beaumont with the oil. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Did your family have a lot of oil money? None at all. Growing up, none? No, so that's why you had to work in the Pinewood yeah, Country Club. sad. What does your family do? Are they still there, or no, anyone still alive? I think I have a brother. Brothers left there. You think you do? Yeah. Well, you know, it could change. Well, the next phone call. <laughs> he could be dead, you mean, or no. he's moved? No, he moves around. He moves around. What is he, what's he doing? Is he in government affairs? He's not. He's not. No. So what the hell is hypoxia? I mean, what are you doing to cure the ocean? You know, um, well, for years, the, the, the great farmers in the north have been fertilizing the corn with nitrates, and it washes down the Mississippi River into our Gulf. It hyper-fertilizes the algae, and they bloom and like crazy, and then when they die, it, it rots in the, in the, in the water, and as it rots, it sucks out all the oxygen. Hmm. So fish cannot live there, or shrimp, nothing can live there. It's and part of the deal that creates a everything. gigantic dead zone down in the Gulf of Mexico. This is what we, mm-hmm. when they say there's a dead zone, like then they measure it each year. It just like flushes down into the, yes. Why does it end up in this like one bit in the middle of well, the Well, it's a ocean. current issue. I think Texas is now getting it. Um, and oh. if you have a hurricane, it'll break it up. You know, it, it's, it's never, it moves around. Yeah, well, it's, pr- yeah, it's primarily all the nutrients coming down out of the river and then out of the, into the Gulf of Mexico and then exactly 
she was saying they, the nutri- the algae blooms and then it just sucks in all the oxygen and there's absolutely nothing there. If any fish try to swim through, especially in the upper levels of the Gulf, they'll they there's no oxygen, they so nothing can live in it. Like no. Can't breathe. Well, this is a probably a stupid question, but why don't we just pump oxygen into it? Well, you know, I was thinking, why don't you just run some kind of submarine through it with the fan? Well, Apparently, it's that. not that easy. Well, aren't you the expert <laughs> on hypoxia? No, I told you I surround myself with experts well, on hypoxia. What are you? It says, what does it say I, here? I'm building the program. So I'm building. So okay, maybe we should talk about what a grand challenge is. Okay. So a grand challenge is the very first one was the the effort to commercialize space travel. You remember there was a ten million dollar prize I do. to to, oh, yes. to travel in space. Ten million. Ten million dollar prize, and what we and that guy won that with the X project or yes, whatever it X was. X prize. X prize. X prize. And so, so you are, you are going up for ten million. So this is the very first grand prize. We have a million dollars. Um, to, to for someone who can develop a product that will significantly reduce the nitrates in the water. Hang on a sec. It was a $10 million prize to get into space, but it's only a $1 million prize to cure the oceans. As of right now. The world is different now. <laughs> Things have changed. It's inflation. Well, let's, let's also put this in perspective. We're asking someone to get in a, a plane and go 10 miles into space. There needs to be a big payoff. I guess so. Who put it's up more life or death? Well, who's putting up the one the million? Who's putting up that money? Um, it's a, a local donor that's going to be announced at the end of the year, probably. A local yeah, donor. A, a local donor. So a very someone generous that's donor. shrouded in secrecy is putting Tom up a million. Benson. Do- Tom Benson. <laughs> Why would that be such a big deal? Secret. It's not a secret. It's it's uh, Miss Taylor. John Besh. Miss Taylor. Guess. Yeah. Miss Taylor. Miss Taylor. Phyllis Taylor. It's very generous. Mayor Landrew. No. Phyllis I Taylor is the person. Yes. And she she's <laughs> so Anne Rice. The secret's was, out. The secret is out. <laughs> and uh, all these people have got a lot of money and they could all chip in something. You're right. Thank you. The key is really it's it's all the farming that's going on above north of Louisiana, north of the Mississippi River, and you have all those nutrients and until you figure out a way to actually get all that nutrient runoff coming off of the farmlands and off of the, the cattle lands and all that good stuff up there. We're not going to solve the issue. Well, you might have just and solved it right there. There's well, a million then you dollars. Have the well, no, because it's not worth it for a million dollars. We want it, but you know, if you go up to somebody in Nebraska, I mean, you have to remember the Mississippi River drains basically everything from the Rocky Mountains to the Appalachians. So you're talking about however many senators up there defending their constituents, and to suddenly force them to try to build retaining and ponds. Well, that's not so going to work. Is, that this system. Is, no, actually, that's a very good point because up until now, they they have fought the idea that there was a dead zone and they said this is not our problem it's a bunch of tree huggers creating it but now everyone has embraced the idea that we need to we need to stop that we need to address the nutrients issue we need to to clean up the water nobody wants to be regulated the farmers are on board everybody's doing research and um, this project will be a great cooperation with the with up north with the farmers the corn growers so and you the researchers. stop all these guys Putting fertilizer they need into to the rethink how they fertilize. Tank. I mean, even ethanol. Think about it. I mean, okay. it's, you know, it's corn. They're, 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 you you make a lot it? of money by growing corn, and to grow corn, you have to throw the nitrates on it. And that's, so exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, and, and the use of ethanol, this is why this is kind of a big deal right now with the amount of ethanol that's in fuel. Right now it's 15%, and it's supposed to jump up to like 25% or something like that. And that's a huge deal because now everybody is just – going gangbusters and growing corn and it's Makes increasing a lot of money. The, and it does make a lot of money mm-hmm. and it's increasing the nutrients flowing down into the river 
So why can't we just pump oxygen into it if it's just lacking well, that's oxygen? that's a temporary situation. Well, the permanent solution will be to have people permanent stop is to, there's putting fertilizer on. It's to on. figure out how to capture the fertilizer before it, it gets to the river. With that's a, the trick. With a big Brita filter. There's, you, you know there's what? a million dollars and for it, you, It Vanessa, could get you right a million there. dollars. Win? Yes, it could. Yeah, I've got an idea for you. You know what would actually aerate the Gulf is a, a big old hurricane once a it year. It does. Exactly. It does. That's an awesome idea. It's like a so. Category 5. Exactly. Could you figure out how to stop it before it got to somebody's back door? Buh. No, that's, that's the only issue with solving Downside. that issue. Yeah. Mm, can't see that winning a million dollars, though. Yeah. Really. Uh, so how much money do we need to make from this Kickstarter thing for you guys to make a record? Hokum High Rollers. Yeah, the record's happening. How much money? The record's going to happen no matter what. Oh, we don't care how much. But if we want to subscribe to it, we can go to Kickstarter. Yeah. Or you can go to bestofstreet.com, right? Bestofstreet.com. A reminder, I'm not one of the people in the band. (laughs) I just know a lot about this. I think it's really cool. You can go to bestofstreet.com. You can also follow on Twitter at bestofstreet. There is a a Kickstarter up with a a ton of info on it. You know what? You should get these guys when they're playing on the street to have Hell Yes Fest stuff out there. I don't want to distract people, Grant. I okay. Want to let just, I just live see you doing lives. such a good job of helping them out. They could help you out with a couple of Hell Yes Fest flyers. It's easy just to help. Just an idea for it's a million dollars. It's easy to help when you, when you really care about something. That's all it takes is to really want to do it, right? Give you 10 minutes like in the middle of a set if you wanted to do like a performance. That would be awesome. I can do stand-up in between you for playing sure. songs. For sure. That's not going to go well at all, but I'll do it. <laughs> all right. Sweet. How is, hey, how is Hell Yes Fest going so far? This is like day two or something. It's day three, three of seven. We got seven days, seven venues, seven million shows, um, over 100 comedians and from all over the country. It's the biggest week in the history of New Orleans comedy. It's night three. I'm very excited. So, so far, so good. So if you're so listening good. to this between now and November. Monday, the, November wow. 18th. 18th. Yes. The 18th is the last day. Yes. And so it, you, it, you know. If you listen, to, if you listen to this past past the fact, then then rest easy, knowing that there is tons of comedy happening all over the city, uh, courtesy the courtesy of the new movement all the time. Mm. Go to the theater, nineteen nineteen Burgundy. It's live comedy happening right here in this city. Constantly, it is thanks to you, by the way. Thanks to you and Tammy Nelson who started people. this thing, and a lot of people. You've dragged them all here, though. Yeah, Vanessa Gonzalez. Uh, Vanessa Gonzalez has a one a one person show. Her 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 solo show is debuting this weekend at Hell Yes Fest. Congratulations! What's yeah. it called? Oh, it's yeah. called I don't know words. I don't know words. Yeah. Is it mime? No, I I speak, but not words. Not yeah, a little bit. Grunting. Yeah. Cool. Is it based on your own personal experience? Some horrible uh, thing that happened to you, kidnapped or something? Well, here's the thing. There, I feel like there's like stigma when you hear like a one woman show or. Um, well and if you hate the number one or women, I suppose there's or shows, yeah. but otherwise, what sort of stigma? Well, not not, sti- but it, like it's not really a life story. It's just a solo sketch show. That's funny. Yeah, so it's just funny bits and characters and songs and comedy. Okay, and where is it here in New Orleans? It's at 1919. Oh, it's at the New Movement yeah, Theater itself, because yeah. the festival is all over town. Yes, yes. seven it's different all sorts of places. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And is that what you do full time? You're a full time improv and. Uh, Stand-up comedian? No, I am. I'm actually a preschool teacher by day, and then I do comedy and stuff at night. That must come in handy, I would think, teaching preschool, being able to be funny. Yeah. And go with it. Yeah, they're real fun, and they let me. What's the diaper situation there? Oh, um, I don't do that. I Um, promise I've never done cocaine. (laughs) Well, it's not too late. 
It's, a, it's not even five o'clock. I don't think. Well, well, well since Chris, Chris broached that subject, let me say that when I did cocaine, that was many, many years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. It was during. Sto- it was during your one woman show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm going to get another couple of random things off Rebecca's list in a minute. But first of all, what about another song from the Hokum High Rollers? Yeah. I love it. What would you like to play, gentlemen and lady? Bob Wills' song called Roly Poly. Okay. Hey, we may need to just move the mic closer to to Jason there, so we can. Oh, oh, Corey. Sorry, Daddy's little fatty. Sure. I can hear you. You can hear me? Okay. Okay. I guess it's just me. The Bob Will song. That's a great little song. You guys, Corey, come over here for a minute. Get Where are you from originally? I'm from Alaska. From Alaska. Yeah. Hell just lean, yeah. In, lean in a little bit there. I wasn't expecting that. How did you wander all the way down here? Uh, just traveling around, like Joseph was saying. Yeah. Where'd you go first after you left Alaska? Uh, Nevada. How'd you like that? That must have been a bit of a shock. It was horrible. It was horrible? Yeah. What part? Las Vegas and then Reno. Okay. Cool. What made you go straight there? My mom. How come? She's a showgirl? Uh, she moved there for work. What'd she do? Um, 
real estate, and then she lost her job soon after we moved there. Yeah, that's a bad yeah. place to have be a real estate agent in Las Vegas, Nevada, I would have believed. It was good for like five years, and then it was all over, forever. Yeah, I got out of there as soon as I could. Yeah, and where'd you go next? What did you do while you were there? Were you in school? Yeah. What were you doing, like in high school? Yeah. And then you finished high school and just left? Yeah. Well, how did you learn to play the bass? school <laughs> so it wasn't a total waste of time then. no what do you do traveling around like i mean you have a guitar or you know a harmonica or something what, what, what do you do with this damn thing it's huge well once i started traveling i was playing the ukulele well, that's it, a good idea ended up here and <laughs> got a well both have four strings other than that there's not much similarity in the ukulele and the bass is there uh, no not really you're a tough person to interview <laughs> She's still on the yeah. zone, Grant. Yeah. They just got done You're performing. You're very, very quiet person. Do you talk a lot normally? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I won't talk to you anymore. What's that thing around your neck? A necklace. Ah. What, what is it? I can't see it is the problem. It's a picture of some water with a boat on it and some birds. Ah. So you like the ocean? Because Troy is a sailor, you know. You do. So that's a song about food. And Troy, how did you get to write cookbooks? What got you interested in food books? Actually, it was a post-Katrina thing. Um, I have a good friend of mine who is a, uh, she does the, she works at Emerald's Home Base. And she and I have been great friends since we were basically 15 years old. And uh, one of the first restaurants that reopened after Katrina, we were sitting there having dinner. And and it just kind of arose out of that. It took us about two and a half years. Um, because neither of us had done a book at, at all, and uh, you know, finding an agent and. But what um, what made you want to do a cookbook though? Because she worked for Emerald. No, we were basically. I mean, this is December of '05, and we were really the whole idea was to celebrate the chefs reopening their restaurants, which, you know, in any other city, like say after in New York after 9/11, you would have you know would celebrate the New York Police Department and the Port Authority and the firemen. Um, in New Orleans, you add to all that the Coast Guard and the chefs. And that was really our goal, was to celebrate the chefs, because honestly, they did bring the city back. The chefs brought back the city. You I know? believe absolutely. it. Absolutely. I absolutely believe it. You think so, Chris, really? Hell yeah. Okay. There was an, an amazing thing to go sit down, even if you were drinking wine out of styrofoam, but to sit down in a restaurant in New Orleans. And do cocaine. Hey. <laughs> and, uh, that was in high school. Um, you did cocaine in high school? I'm from New Orleans. Really? <laughs> Is that right? What I, high was, I was going to bars what when high school I was, was 15. This? What high school was this? Uh, I went to De La Salle in St. Stanislaus in Bay St. Louis. De La Salle is here oh, uptown in St. St. Stanislaus. St. Stanislaus is a boarding school in Bay St. Louis. What? You there after the cocaine. Uh, yeah, it was around that time. Did you get kicked out of De La Salle or something? I got kicked out of De La Salle and St. Stanislaus. You got kicked out of two high schools? Correct. And what were you doing wrong? School was not my thing at all. But what did you do to get kicked out of school? I was just not an ideal student. Dan, this dude is avoiding this question <laughs> like a motherfucker. This has right got to be a good answer there, don't no, you think, man. Chris? Come on. What do it's you either th- a real good answer or a real bad answer. Like, he doesn't, like, like the more he doesn't say it, the more badass he is. Or it's the most badass answer that will destroy... <laughs> The podcast. Okay. The, the microphones will just blow up. <laughs> did you kill somebody? No, no. Uh, nothing that interesting. What did Rant. you? Was it drugs? 
No, no, no. It was, it was actually more drinking. I mean, you, 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 I grew up in, oh, you in New Orleans in the 80s drinking. You know, we were going to bars when we were 15 years old. Right. You got kicked out of high school for being an alcoholic. For drinking. Well, that's a strong word. Hmm. Vanessa, what? You're looking at me like something's wrong. Like I'm going to kidnap I'm you. I'm super drunk right now. <laughs> 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 well, lucky you're not in high school. Oh. That's all I can say. Why can't I hear myself? What is going on here with this thing, do you think? Who knows? Hey, so um, anyway, you got the idea to write a cookbook after the hurricane because there were no restaurants open and they were opening one at a time. And so you thought you'd chronicle that. So what, what, is the, what did that book end up being called? That book ended up being called uh, New Orleans Kitchens. By the time It took us so long to actually progress through the book. We had two more hurricanes by the time. Oh, there were, yeah, well, there were several. But um, part of the issue was by the time we got an agent and the agent started sh- uh, shopping the, the uh, manuscript around, Every, and this was basically 2006, late 06, uh, early 07. Um, publishers around the country were saying, well, Katrina's over. Um, so we moved away from the storm aspect of it and really just used the recipes that we generated from all these chefs um, in the meantime. I'm, to this day, I'm actually sitting on digital recordings of the top 30 chefs in New Orleans um, immediately sitting down with me in 05 and early 06 and telling me their Katrina stories, which are phenomenal and i'm just i still have them you have those as video or audio digital audio pretty good idea mm-hmm. why don't you just release those like one at a time as a podcast or something i think i'm going to actually donate them to the southern uh, food and beverage museum which open up right down the street here that's a great idea okay time for another number who wants to pick one what do you say 11 pick number 11 okay mr face on number 11 who's going to read it do you want to read it yourself rebecca or is it too embarrassing? I don't have my glasses. You don't have your glasses? Oh, you this didn't bring so your glasses to the podcast? Look at this. <laughs> Vanessa, read that. Number 11. Uh-oh, what, I'm, uh, I'm afraid. Um, I once met Daniel Ortega at a July 4th party in Nicaragua. Okay, pretty there's cool. got to be a story cool, there, right? Don't you think? Yeah. Well, we have to go through this sentence very slowly. Who is Daniel Ortega? C. Oh. Ortega. El Presidente. <laughs> Nicaragua. Nicaragua. He was the president of Nicaragua. He wasn't at the time. He was running for office again. And you, were, what were you doing in Nicaragua? I was at a party. The 4th of July. Have 4th of July in Nicaragua? We, we, yeah. we were having a party, in July 4th party in Nicaragua. The whole yes. lot of Americans. Yes. Uh, there was a New Orleans delegation went up to Nicaragua. Oh, delegation of what? It was for, you know, foreign trade, try to, to help relationship between the two. So what did you do at Tulane that you were... No, I, I did that. Was, that I, there I, was nothing to do with Tulane. No, I, I was. What was that? My, uh, my ex-husband. I went with him. What did he do? International affairs. Didn't he was a banker? International, international affairs. Banker, international banker. Let's, well, did he have an international affairs? That what ended the whole yeah. thing? <laughs> oh, look, at, that's a good spin. Okay. So anyway, that wasn't what ended. You were married twice. You were married twice. Yes. Both for ten and a half years. Yes. So that's one of them that's here. That's, that's number that's 14. Yes. I've been married twice, each for 10 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So which one was this? Number one and number two? Number two. And he was an international affair broker. No, he was, a, he was a banker. So anyway, we were having a great party at, in Nicaragua, and uh, Mr. Ortega came in, and it was... See I mean, Ortega. When, so when I was in, in the 70s, this is all you heard about. I mean, when you talked about history and, and the Sandinistas and all the, the war that was going on there, he was he was the... I don't know one the thing about it. Any of you guys? Do you guys know anything about it? Vanessa, anything about it? 
No. Yeah, no, the, the Sandinistas were in power, and, and Daniel Ortega was a dude was for the co- was the communist school, You know a lot of shit. Yes. I'll say that. I know. Thank God he's here. Yeah. Really, I've never heard of any of these people. So I thought C. No, Ortega this is, was you, like You've heard of the Iran-Contra affair. The Contras were the, uh, the American-funded revolutionary, well, counter-revolutionary force that was running out of Costa Rica and out of Honduras and trying to reconquer uh, Nicaragua for democracy. Uh, Daniel Ortega was the head of the Sandinistas, who was the Communist Party in Nicaragua. Was, that, uh, was he a good guy or a bad guy? Depends on what side you're on. I would well, on our say the United States side. Well, if you're he was communist. So that's bad. Yeah. So what was you doing at your party, hanging out with a bunch of American bankers? Yeah, well, good strategy on his part, I would say. Well, we're still talking he about He was running it. for he office. He, he, he'd been out for a long time. He was trying to, to get back into office. What did he look like? You know, he had on jeans and a blue jean shirt. And it, and it was interesting because he dressed purposely to do that because he was a man of the people. And he wanted to make a big point of being a man of the people. Everyone else was dressed. Uh, there were some officers there and they were dressed nicely in business attire. And he showed up in jeans and a blue jean shirt. I think that's how he always dressed. He would wear a blue jean shirt, jeans, and a red scarf when he was in power as uh, the president of Mm-hmm. Nicaragua when he when he was in power I think he would always how did you learn all this stuff and still get kicked out of school I didn't learn any of this at school this is <laughs> after school he made what, up for it what did you do after school then oh after after, after high school you got kicked out of two high schools and you I must have got some education uh, somewhere I ended up in uh, medical sales for a decade so is that where you learned about Daniel no, no, Ortega this was, and no, this is the history just of my own interest stuff I learned on my own what, reading or something? Or yeah. going, going to movies? Reading. Reading. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's very interesting. It works. You can do it. We have to remember stuff, though. Yeah. Do you read anything, Vanessa? Nothing. No. Not much. Not really. Can I say something? Yes, Chris. I think Vanessa Gonzalez is one of the most talented and, and smartest, funniest people that I've ever met in my life. And that's saying something, actually. Come on. It's true. I'm real drunk right now. <laughs> 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 well, I hope you remember that because that's a very nice thing for someone to say. Nice. Chris, is, yeah. Chris is probably the funniest, most intelligent, most talented actor we've ever had in New Orleans, ever, for sure. Oh, yeah. Eat it, John Goodman. That's true. <laughs> that's right. Eat it, guy who was on Mad Men and owns a jewelry shop or Brian whatever Bat, you they're own. Good, they're good actors, but they can't do what you do. They can't just stand there and be funny and just spontaneously start talking and go into a character. Cool. They can't do it. I mean, Brian Batt is a great guy and a great actor, and John Goodman is too, but they couldn't do that for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. And I also saw you in an awesome thing called um, Least Favorite Love Songs. Yeah, that just premiered at Hell Yes Fest. Now, that is funny, too. You play the part of, what would you call that character? I'm, I play Eddie, who is a slacker boyfriend of the main character, who's kind of a piece of shit dude, and he gets, he's just a piece of shit. It's really, really funny. That's yeah, they do a very good job with that show. Yeah, I have. Good. I I want to be super clear. I have nothing to do with that other other than me showing up and and acting the words that they wrote. Helen Krieger and Joseph Meisner get all the credit for that. And it's very good. It's yeah, they're very, very awesome. Least favorite love songs. We can find that online too. It probably like leastfavoritelovesongs.com or something. Yep. I would say. I still can't understand why I can't hear myself, Chris. Is there any reasonable reason for it? Just me. Maybe I've gone deaf. Is it possible? Yes. Shit, that would be crazy. I wonder if I could do this whole show if I was deaf, you think? Be like, bad. well, Beethoven did it. Bad for your profession, good for publicity. <laughs> it's also the name of my solo poetry <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we've got to get out of here. So what did I miss? Anything? 
Hokum High Rollers and the album is called Best of Street. Yes. So if we want to give you money and buy the album, we go to bestofstreet.com. Or you could go, I think you can get a link to it from our Facebook, which is http colon slash slash. Hang on, I'm going to write w- this down. www.facebook.com. If you want to search for us. I would like to say that I have personally already donated to this Kickstarter. And I think that everyone else at this table should also do the same thing. I think we should all, everyone listening to this should go and donate to this Kickstarter. Okay. We should just do that. It's got a whole bunch of New Orleans street bands on it, or bands from across the country. Uh, no, no, just New Orleans bands. Just New Orleans street bands. But there's okay. going to be more compilations for other cities around the world. Okay, cool, no. good idea. Okay, but the first one started here. Like everything yeah. else, it started in New Orleans. Absolutely. Okay, what's it called? Best of Street. Go and com. do it. Hokum High Rollers. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for being here and playing a couple of great songs. Thank you. I look oh, forward you're welcome. To getting the record as well. Um, now, Vanessa Gonzalez from Austin, Texas. I'm um, no, yes, from Austin, Texas. Yes. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you. Look for forward to seeing me. you around town. Then we can look out for you yes. as part of Hell Yes Fest. Chris True has been here as well. Chris, thank you so much for stopping by. Also, the star of True to the Game. Yeah, download my sports podcast. Very fun. True to stuff. the Game. It's True on the same damn network. It's right here on itsneworleans.com. Troy Gilbert, thank you for being here as well from GolfLatitudes.com. We can follow your stories. We can, I'm interested to read the story about being kidnapped in Cuba and see how you make that interesting. Sure. No, uh, that one will probably be out shortly. Okay. Uh, if you're interested, go to the website now. I have a story on a, a regatta from uh, St. Petersburg to Havana when uh, Colonel Batista actually conducted his coup d'etat on the island and timed it with the regatta. So that's actually on the website. Also. I don't know what the hell he's talking about there. Do you, Rebecca? Do you want to follow any of that? No. Rebecca Conwell has been with us as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, do you don't even have a website for this company of yours, 1020-something or other? Oh, did you check? Yeah, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I know. I'm working I, on it. What's it called? I was having a hard time defining myself, so it's still open. 2210. 2210. Is that because of some date or place or something? 2210? It was my original alarm code. Alarm code to get into your house? Yeah. No. <laughs> Give us yeah. your address. And yeah. Uh, it's, okay. it's been changed. I will officially and say so we have changed you the changed code. You changed the code. Yes. Funny thing to name a company after. You must have like some sort of security issue, do you? No. It you was just, been I, was like overthink- I was just overthinking the name, and it was that simple. Not that crazy. Yeah, just okay. make it 2210. 22 I thought it was your you address know, or something. But, you know, there's some significance. You know, put out fires, alarms. I can make problems go away. Put the code in. I just okay. ordered some cocaine online. Okay. And going to have it delivered here <laughs> to Casa Borrego? <laughs> yes. That should go down well with everybody. Hey, thanks for joining me. That's been Happy Hour. Yeah. 60 Minutes is up. Our producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our associate producer and technical director with brand new headphones is Chris Kehoe. Christian Andrew is our music director. And the theme song that you're currently listening to is being played and was written by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products around, including Studio One Music Software, Studio Live Digital Mixing Consoles, Era Studio Monitors, and much more. You can go to PreSonus.com for more information about that. If you'd like to join us and can sit around this table for about an hour and stay upright, like Vanessa, you're almost upright still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drop us a line. Our address is on our website where you can also find plenty more happy hours to listen to. More shows there as well, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the game. 
with the fabulous Chris True and Tammy Nelson Viet and all of our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with the Vietnamese Terry Gross Kim Vu and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans Ray Canard. You can keep up with us also on Facebook, Twitter and a bunch of other times sucking social media on all of it. We're called It's New Orleans. If you listen to this on iTunes or Stitcher or another podcast app, thank you for subscribing. That really helps other people find us. If you could just take a minute to rate and review us, it wouldn't hurt, would it, Chris? It only takes one minute. I think it'd be so sweet of you to do that right now. Don't say you'll do it later. Just do it right now. Now. Our show is recorded live today at Casa Borrega on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. Casa Borrega is a club, a live music venue, and a restaurant, and a bar. We we didn't even find out what the name of the cocktail we were drinking today, but something with tequila in it, I believe. Yes. And totally, got Vanessa totally drunk. Vanessa can't even sit up anymore. Happy Hours, a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworlands.com. Andrew Duhon may or may not be back next week. Well, the rest of us will be here, or some of us will be here, for all of us sitting around the table here and those at Casa Borrega and back at the INO office. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you next time right here on Happy Hour. <laughs>